0: And what I want to do is I want to pick a, a another parable. And uh, this, you know, parables are interesting. They are clever stories that make us look at the world in a brand new way. And sometimes they help us to look at God's love in a brand new way. And... Uh, this story is found in Luke 16. And we're just going to go through eight verses, but it follows the parable of the prodigal son. And perhaps that is the most favorite of many folks. Many people know of that parable, at least have heard of the name, the prodigal son. And this here in Luke 16 is the least known, I would say. I had a a person ask me several days ago from another congregation. They said, so what are you preaching on this Sunday? And I said, the shrewd manager. And she said, I've never heard of that. And I know, you're not the only one. And, And so here it follows the most famous one, the prodigal son, And we must remember when I read this story, and as I share this story with you, that this is not a story of morality. If you think that it's going to be something about morality, then you're going to get confused. That is not the intent of this parable. Jesus is not teaching us how to behave, but he's showing us the curious world Of grace. And hopefully we can capture some of that. So let's go into Luke 16 and let's read just the eight verses. Jesus told his disciples There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. And so he called him in and asked, So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, And how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, Take your bill and make it 800, now this is the tricky part, the master commended the dishonest manager, what, (laughs) because he had acted shrewdly, for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light, that is why I've never taught on this parable, anybody? Would like to come up and share? It's tough, isn't it? I mean, this, this, this is a tough one here. And I've mentioned earlier that this follows the parable of the prodigal son. And look at there, I, the very last verse in chapter 15. Now, chapter 16 and chapter 15 should not be split. We are the ones who split that, but it should be a running commentation on all the different parables he was sharing in chapter 15. So the last verse, in chapter 15, verse 32 says, but we had to celebrate. This is when the prodigal came home and there was a big party and the older son didn't like it. So anyways, he said, we had, to, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and there was a rich man whose manager, first verse, verse one, there you go. Let me do that again. Just leave that up there because I want you to get the feel of it, and we separate it, and that's where the confusion comes in sometimes. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. Same thinking thought pattern that Jesus was having. It didn't change. And so at first glance, it seems like the prodigal has nothing to do with the shrewd manager. But there's similarities between the prodigal and this story. And this is the brilliance of Jesus. One betrayed his father. The other betrays his manager. One of them uh, misused... uh, Both of them misused their wealth... One has failed as a son, the other has failed as a manager. Both will be restored by mercy and grace or not at all. And both received, or both um, yeah, received an unexpected uh, party, the prodigal son. He wasn't expecting that and was given to him. The other an unexpected commendation. He commended him the master did so both stories here they have similarities and both stories they pull into a beautiful and curious world of grace it is not about morality not about behavior it's about the curious world of grace and if you give that this parable will make a little bit more sense but here's the story And once again, it is a story on the curious world of grace. There is this rich man, and he was a landowner, and he rents out his land, and they pay their rent by produce, not by money, but by produce, either by olive oil or by wheat. Now, let's give this landowner a name. Let's call him Mr. Wilson. And he has a lot of tenants, which were farmers. They were renting out from him. And being that there were so many tenants and so much land, he had to hire for himself a manager to manage the land and to collect the rent. So let's call this this manager a name. Let's call him Russell. So Russell works for Wilson. Some of you know where I'm going. The Seattle Seahawk quarterback is Russell Wilson. <laughs> I know. Some of you were slow on that one. I wasn't. I said, no. I'm getting the story, and I'm going to write my own name. So I'm writing Russell Wilson. So Russell worked for Mr. Wilson. And now Russell was a dishonest kind of a guy. And he was wasting some of the possessions of Mr. Wilson. Probably some kind of embezzlement was going on. And and being that they did not pay their rent by money, but by produce he may be taking some of the oil and the wheat and selling it or perhaps keeping it for himself. There's something like that that was going on. That's so why eventually he, he's found out. And someone reports to Mr. Wilson that Russell is working something on the side. And so Mr. Wilson calls Russell. Calls him to his office. He says, Russell, man, I know what you're doing. I got to fire you. I got to let you go. And he walks off. Well, you can imagine Mr. Russell, he was troubled with inside of him. He lost his position. And he says, what am I going to do? I'm not strong enough to do manual labor. Hmm. Ah, I got it. I got it. And he comes up with this brilliant scheme. It's a complex scheme, but it's brilliant. Not morally upright, but brilliant. And so he goes out and he meets up with the renters. And he says, hey, Bob. Hey, Russell. What's up? Ah, I just want to let you know your, your rent's due. And what is your rent, by the way? Oh, it's a 100 jugs of olive oil. Well, you know what I was doing? I was talking to Mr. Wilson. And I told him that these days are really hard. And so I convinced him that you need a break because of the hard times of which we are in. And I convinced him to lower your rent 50%. Wow, no way. I mean, that is so good news. He says, thank you, Russell. And could you give me a big thank you to Mr. Wilson? And so Russell goes on to the next place. He goes to this other guy. And he says, hey, guy, now what was your rent? 100 sacks of wheat. Well, I was asking Mr. Wilson, and talking with him about you. And and I told him that these days are hard and that you're going to need a break. And so he agreed with me to lower your rent to 80 sacks of wheat. What was Russell doing? He was showing grace to others as if he and Mr. Wilson had their best interest in mind. Now imagine you being a renter from Mr. Wilson. And you hear a knock on the door, and you notice, and I notice that it's it's Russell. And I says, Oh no, I'm late on my rent. I don't have enough money. He is really gonna be ticked off. He's gonna get mad and he may even put me out of the house because I don't have enough money. So open the door. Hey, Russell. Hi, Gord. Just came by to let you know your rent is due. $1,000 a month. But I was talking to Mr. Wilson, and he agreed to lower your rent to $500 a month. I mean, this is two weeks before Thanksgiving. And so I'm thinking, Oh, my lands, this is awesome. Now I can get some turkey for Mike and Jean and the kids and and Andy and Yari and Maribel and Amy and Michael, Barbara and I and my grandkids. We can get a turkey. We can even get two of them. Now this is wonderful. You got to enter into the story, okay? And so here, how would that make you feel So we decided to make this, this party, to bring together all these renters and have this big party and give this humongous toast to Mr. Wilson because he's the most generous, the most graceful, the most merciful landlord in town. Well, Mr. Wilson found out What this old Russell was doing, going around unauthorized and lowered the rent. And what was happening was that Russell was gambling. He was rolling the dice. If he pulls this off, he's going to be restored. And if he doesn't, he's going to go to jail. And Russell was betting big time be restored. Or go to jail. And so when Mr. Wilson finds out, he has two options. Throw him in jail or go around and say, I know my manager lowered your rent. He was not authorized to do that. So you still owe me the same. Or the other option is this. Now, this Russell is pretty clever. He's kind of put me into this corner. And I think I'm going to enjoy my reputation as being kind, generous, graceful, and I'm going to let him get away with it. Well, Russell is betting everything. On one thing. That Mr. Wilson. Is generous. He's kind. He's graceful. And he's merciful. And he's good. Because if he's not. Then he's going to jail. Russell won. It turned out. Mr. Wilson. Wilson was that way. And that is the story. You're dismissed. No. (laughs) I know. I I get so much into these stories sometimes. But let's look how this took place. Okay? In chapter 15 of Luke, this this is the context of this story as well as all of chapter 15. He says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he is, Jesus is sitting around with sinners, people who knew they didn't have it together, people who didn't feel they belonged in the Pharisee or the religious camp of the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees were offended. That's not what you do. You see, anyone that was not in their box of race or belief or a certain behavior were not welcomed. They were outcasts. And Jesus wasn't that way. And so Jesus, he begins to tell this parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, and about this dishonest manager who gambles everything on grace and this is why Jesus was so popular with a self-proclaimed sinner. Because sinners have an advantage. He was not commending sin. This is not about this. This is about the curious world of grace. The self-proclaimed folks who say they know that, that they don't have it together have the advantage of those who claim to have it all together. The outcasts know that if they are going to make it anywhere with God, if they're going to make it anywhere in the acceptance of God, they've got to put and bet and gamble that God It's graceful, he's merciful, and he's good. And this is why Jesus says to this religion in a box I'm bringing in a whole new way of living. And it's centered on Jesus. There's a new society that is beginning to break in among human beings. And it's happening now. It's called the kingdom of God. And no longer is it about the Torah abiding citizen. The Torah is the law. The 613 laws of Moses. It's not about following your rules and regulations. It's not about your behavior because you can have a perfect behavior. But inside, you're full of hatred and self-righteousness. That's what God is looking at. He says there's a new thing that is coming now. And it's called the heart. The heart. And even if you are in that messed up heart, the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God is still there for you. And so Jesus is saying here, I'm going out of your box. Now, all of you are part of this thing that I'm doing. Those who deserve it, those who don't deserve it. My love is going to go beyond any box that you build any box, any religious box that you build, I am going to go beyond it. And as I was writing this, I added something else. Blessed are those who see. That's it. I thought, that's good, Gordy. You know? Blessed are those that can actually see God's love and grace and mercy is outside of your little box. It is little. And God's bigger than that. So this verse or this this parable in chapter 16 can be a disturbing parable, parable because Jesus said to these guys in their religious box... These guys that you're rejecting, he's talking to the Pharisees here, these guys that you're rejecting are actually smarter than you. These guys that you say don't belong in your box, they're actually smarter than you who claim to be moral, who claim to be upright and believe in the right way. Because you think you're going to get by by your good behavior. While those who know that they don't have it together have a hope and a gamble that every, everything is on the grace and mercy of God. See where the parable goes? This is a hard one. And he's telling us, telling us and the Pharisees here that God is outside of the box. And you see, that is the point of this parable. It's smarter to bet on God's mercy than your goodness. It's smarter and more intelligent to bet on God's grace than your goodness. It's it's more intelligent to bet the farm on his mercy and grace and goodness THAN YOU EVEN BEING MORAL. THAT IS TOUGH FOR US BECAUSE WE GET FOCUSED SO MUCH ON THE EXTERNAL OF BEHAVIOR, MORALISM, AND JESUS IS NOWHERE TO BE FOUND. IT'S TRICKY, AND I KNOW SOME WILL MISUNDERSTAND WHAT I'M TRYING TO SAY. DOES THIS MEAN THAT WE CONTINUE TO BE DISHONEST? all this other stuff, that is not even the point Jesus is making. We miss it because we always make it about that. And where's Jesus in all of this? See, Jesus isn't even thinking about this, what I just shared with you. But I have to because we're just human and we're learning and growing. See, the paradigm of the Pharisees was that you follow these laws and these regulations and these rules that I'm going to place on you, and you behave just the way that we tell you to behave, and then you can belong. And Jesus comes and he turns the whole thing upside down. This is what Jesus is trying to demolish in the thinking of those that have a religion in a box. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. I've accepted all. I've embraced all. I'm not, I, I, I work in your box just as much as the other person box. You know? There's a quote, and somebody sent me this quote. And it's a quote by Paul Young. And he says, perhaps, if we can put that, perhaps it is time, for each of us to enter a post-Christian reformation in which we embrace and trust the person of Jesus rather than Christianity, rather than Moses, rather than civil religion. And there are so many people who, who just amen to that. It, it's not stern. We're not getting radical. It's just, this is what Jesus is saying. And when I read this, as the person texted me this, I just thought, this is, this is part of this parable. Jesus is introducing a, the, the curious world of grace. I grew up in a, in a world of, of, in the denomination I grew up in, Uh, a world of boxes, us and them, you in, you out, a place where um, this is the way to correct or or to interpret Scripture. Uh, This is the way to see God. This is how you're supposed to preach. You got to do this, and you got to do this right. It it was more about behavior than anything else, and so that's stressful because I don't know anybody in this room that's just going to be perfect. And that's the point. You can't make it without His grace and mercy. And He has poured it upon you. And, and I'm so grateful, so grateful for all the upbringing that I had, all the teaching I had. There's no bitterness. I used to be bitter, but it, it, there, there's just nothing but just plain old love for people. Because, see, regardless if you're in legalism, regardless if If you're stuck, regardless, God's mercy and grace flows into your life. Realize it or not. And sometimes when we get into these boxes, we get stuck. We get stuck in the box. We know it, but it's hard to jump out of the box because somehow we feel that might be wrong. And so as you begin to grow and develop and begin to see other other ideas and thoughts in the scriptures, some of the things that maybe you were taught just doesn't resonate with you anymore. It doesn't mean you turn their back, it doesn't mean you turn your back on them or you dislove them or whatever it is. No, 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 that's, that's not the point. You don't worry about them. You and the Lord. What's going to unstuck you? See, this this is gnarly, because I can't really tell you. I know what happened to me, and that's it. But we all have to have that openness. Are you stuck? You see, I've always wanted to have this bigger picture of Jesus than what was framed for me in all the years of college even. The professors. I I just, I don't know. I don't know about this, you know. I kind of read scriptures a little differently, but you don't say anything, because you don't want to definitely be in trouble, There's an immeasurable love. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. There's an immeasurable love that I saw that is beyond and exceeds any box of religion. Everything. It just crushes all the boxes. But we have this DNA in ourselves that we we want to have these boxes because I get it. And it's okay. It's okay. We're all on this journey. But you have a box because you want to feel safe, don't you? You want to feel that this is acceptable. You want to feel like God is favoring you. And so we build a little box. But yes, something inside of our heart, it doesn't resonate. No, there's something more to this. But no, you know, I'm so confused about all this religious stuff anyways. I'm just going to keep it to myself and just do the best that I can. That's okay. But a lot of it wasn't okay with me. I don't like being stuck, and I've been stuck for so many years. And so you begin to discover, and you begin to research, and look at things. And and the whole thing is, and with these boxes, there's a reason why we like our boxes. This is why it's hard to change churches. This is why why it's hard to change denomination. Oh, my lens. Some of the things I was taught just, and I knew wasn't right. It was hard to change just because that's how you're conditioned. And the box was the walls around the box that I grew up in was getting thicker and thicker and thicker. And lo and behold, I was rejecting other people that didn't come and believe the way that I believed. And so yeah, I began to get stuck. But let me tell you something. So we don't get off into a rabbit trail here. But, but um, let me tell you about your box. Anytime God is going to be in a box, it's so that he will come in your box and meet you where you're at. He's bigger than that. He will submit. He will submit wherever you're at. You may be full of laws and hate everybody and reject everybody. Well, they don't go to this church. They they don't believe this, this, this. God will just love you and meet you where you're at. Isn't that cool? I'm glad God doesn't live in this box or I would have been rejected a long time ago. The dog is just saying amen. Even the animals understand what I'm saying. This makes me really stoked this morning. But this is what's so intriguing me about this parable. He just comes to meet you in your box. And there comes a time, I'm not saying this is a a law, but I think, and talking with a lot of people, I think that there comes a time in almost everyone's life that you say or you want to say, but you just can't because you're just stuck I'm going to gamble everything on the love and the grace and the mercy of the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. It's a big one, isn't it? I want to I just wrap it up here. Uh, one of my favorite verses of all time is in Hebrews chapter 13. And I have no time to even... Un- Pack this because it is packed. And it might be well if you girls want to come up. Um, I just want to close it with this. And, and I, I thought about this the other day, and it correlates with this parable. Let me just say, in case I forget to say this, could you just relax? You're saying, man, I don't get what Gordy's saying. If you can just remember the title, Betting on Grace. This is what this parable, at least to me, what it's talking about. It's not morality. It's not behavior. It's grace. It's gambling on grace. But let me read, if we can, um, Hebrews thirteen eleven. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the holy place, the most holy place, as the sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the grace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Let's go after him. That's the emphasis. And it speaks of a gate. And and this gate is the city of Jerusalem. I'm just giving you the idea here, okay? And if we get this idea, it's really awesome. It's really powerful. But he says, inside the gates of Jerusalem, there were sacrifices of animals. And then they would take those animals that had been sacrificed, take the carcass, and then they would put them outside the bulls and the goats, and they would burn them outside of the city gate. And so you can imagine the stink. You can imagine what the appearance would bring as they looked upon that. And in that little story, that little idea, there is a picture of Jesus upon a cross outside of the camp. A place where he not only forgave you, but a place where he embraced all. And the Hebrew of writers says, let us go out there to that place. Outside of that gate, outside of the walls of the hustle and bustle. And that is the description of Jerusalem. Inside of the walls of Jerusalem, there was the hustle and the bustle and the hurriedness and where all the ceremonies were taking place. All the religion and the religiosity was happening with the temple worship and the washing for them to be cleansed. The sacrifices were being done. Folks were coming together trying to seek favor with God. Another person would say, "This this is how you seek, this is how you seek, this is how you seek. You're out. And so they were trying to earn their forgiveness. If it's through sacrifices, that would be good. How do I get accepted with God? So here within the gates of Jerusalem, there was this huge distraction called religion. Hurriedness. Fragmentations. Divisions. Fights. And in the quietness, outside of the city gates of Jerusalem where it stunk, where it wasn't really beautiful out there. Jesus moves outside of the box of inside the gate. There was Jesus who was out of the radar of the masses outside of the camp. And then outside of this camp, It is where the grace flowed through his blood for all humanity. Where love became immeasurable for all. A place where he received you. All outside the walls of religion. Outside the walls of legalism. And the Hebrew author is saying, let us leave and go outside the camp where Jesus is. That's where Jesus is. And it's not beautiful. It stinks. Gamble everything on the grace and the mercy and the goodness but inside the walls it says go out and bear the shame of jesus outside the walls i feel with all my heart i really do folks everybody wants what i just said they want a god who is merciful graceful regardless what you are doing regardless the mess of your life everybody wants this and it resonates this morning with you. But my lands, it is so hard because some of us are still living within the city gates of Jerusalem where religion is just fragmenting humanity. And so the Hebrew author says, go out. Go out into the city gates and outside of the camp where there's grace. There's goodness. There's mercy. It's a place, though, that you will be misunderstood from those inside. It is a place where you're going to be criticized from those still in their boxes inside the walls. And I'm telling you, from the book of Hebrews, as you read it, it says it's okay. It's okay, you hold your ground, you trust, maintain your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and through his resurrection. You hold your ground, you maintain your trust in him, for it is finished. You are loved, like it or not. As much as legalism as you are, as much as you may hate this, 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 God has embraced you, and he loves you, and he can't love you anymore. Maintain and hold your ground on outside the camp where there is love, and you are embraced. In Jesus' name, amen.